0: Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In this show, we discuss sizing features and stories. In addition to covering how sizing is different in Agile compared to waterfall, we discuss proven techniques to do sizing efficiently and to ensure that team members have a common understanding of the scope and work to be done.
1: Hi, Steve. Long hi, time. Hi, Santosh. <laughs> Long time. We haven't had a chance to chat because of, I guess, meetup last week. That went, went really well.
0: We did, uh, and you did a, a great job being on the uh, panel of speakers. Oh, thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that was quite interesting. One of the questions that came back, is like, how do you size the work? How do you coach the teams in sizing the work? Uh, I thought maybe we should talk about that uh, in our podcast because that seemed to be a pretty common theme. Uh, a Absolutely. People, <laughs> a lot of people gather around and listening to my answer or attempt to answer that. <laughs> yeah,
0: so tell me, over the years with all your experience using Agile, how, how has your uh, opinion about sizing changed and the way that you do the actual work? I think think, uh,
1: sizing in our waterfall days was like the work estimate and a work breakdown structure and then you would size the each and every component of it, you know, collectively it rolled up and then created your work requirement and you would start putting the teams around that and then you would create a estimation about what the, uh, funding and everything else is going to require how you are consuming that and all those kind of things. So that, to me, uh, was kind of a scary thought because it was you know it, first thing you knew it was estimate, and then you were held to it uh, till the end of the project or till the end of your life. So <laughs> that was people were very scared. <laughs> Of giving those sizing estimates about any work that they were doing, or they used to pad, and then all kind of you know safety factors would go in there, and then the you know, the game of chicken and <laughs> egg would start. You know, so that's something that that I remember from my old days. Uh, and on the contrary, uh, when those things started getting into the agile side of things, uh, people were still uh, at least the, the teams that I used to work with had the same concept. It's like, oh, this may be only for two weeks, but they are going to uh, hold a knife to my throat as soon as I go say it's the size two or three or eight or whatever that is. And I had to actually start coaching, saying that we know this is an estimate. This is well, a good thing about this is this is going to last only for the duration of the, sprint so uh, you know you don't have to be scared about that
0: uh, it's just so interesting the the way we used to think about this in waterfall the way we would um, you know at, at the beginning of the project when we had the least knowledge we would come up with these estimates and then during the project just try and force fit everything according to the original estimates rather than acknowledging that now we have more information and we can do a better job of planning our way forward.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the funny part was that that those estimates were based on our experience in the previous projects or what we learned from there. And invariably the new projects, almost more than 70 to 80% of the work was completely new. So you could not have, I mean, the experience or whatever the estimation practices you had Uh, would not work or would not give you the right uh, sizing anyway so we were you know guessing it was basically a guesstimate and everyone knew it that it was uh, a guess and uh, that's why the padding and you know multiplication (laughs) of those things so you we never got the real answer anyhow.
0: So you touched on the fact that to a large extent, the reasons why we did sizing in the waterfall days is different to the reason why we do sizing today. So, how would you describe why sizing is done in an agile world? I think if you consider, you know,
1: from the agile side of things, uh, sizing is basically how we are going, to, what we are going to complete. Uh, how can we get the things done as a working software in that? A finite period of time and, you know, set that up so that we know which is more complicated, what where the things are going to be challenging and those kinds of things. So it's a relative sizing, first thing. It's not an absolute sizing. The second thing is it also helps you understand what is your true capacity. So for example, in the beginning of the you know, first sprint, uh, you might Say, oh, we can do thirty points, and you actually only do ten. The next time you do only eight, and then (laughs) here you do twenty. So slowly, those you know that variation uh, in first thing the size, how how you size it, uh, gets better, and then how much you should sign up also gets better. So you really know that oh, actually our capacity is only fifteen, so we should not start uh, biting uh, more than what you can chew. That's one part. The second part is how do you really size it? So I think we were talking earlier was one of the techniques I ask teams to do is look at the stories that you have and decide which one is the smallest one. And that includes the complexity, uh, unknown, uh, uh, hours that are going to be needed all different things, Uh, that we'll consider this is, yeah, this is the smallest of all and make that as a one size one story. And now start looking at the other stories, compare them against this size one. And then you can use Fibonacci or whatever the scale you want to use to size those stories. Now automatically the sizing becomes a lot more clearer. And consistent, uh, because, uh, as they say, you know, the absolute sizing is always very difficult, uh, because it's an estimation. But people can compare things against each other much more easily, and that's what the idea is: is the relative sizing, and then get that number to it. And I think you had mentioned, uh, you know, in in agile, uh, there is no mention about you know, story points anywhere. <laughs>
0: right you know in the scrum guide it basically does not talk about story points it just talks about figuring out capacity that the team can take on right. but points is something that was developed later on and i think it's exactly because trying to figure out every task and the number of hours that you would spend is just been proven over the years not to work reliably so right. the idea was how can we encapsulate in some proxy Mm-hmm. The the experience that we've had where various factors come in, there's an element of risk as well as just the work that needs to be done. So, for example, if um, if it's something you've never done before, you might assign more points to it just uh, in yeah. a way, I guess it is a buffer, but it's allowing for the fact that there are some unknowns. Right. Uh, it might be something that's very well known, but you know, it's going to take a lot of time to do it because it's just a slow and repetitive right. piece of work that needs to be done. So that also factors into points. So there's all right. these different elements. And then right. you end up with this proxy, which historically and statistically you can refer to and say, yes, if I compare this work with something I've done before, regardless of the reason, I know this was that, you know in the ballpark of so many points.
1: Right, right.
0: So you mentioned right, well, the relative to the most simple thing you can do, and that's a really good technique when you're starting with a new team or a new project. But right. as you gain more experience over a number of sprints, you can also just refer to work that was done in a previous sprint and say, well, this, this story feels like it's approximately the same as that one and therefore yeah. we'll use the same. Yeah, like and, that. So
1: interesting that you said that because, you know, uh, size one story as the team matures uh, can become bigger down the road because initially they were saying, oh, this is a size one, but uh, their skill set gets improved, their estimation techniques get very improved. So size one could be only 0.5 <laughs> in the subsequent uh, um, uh, sprints. So it changes. It's not just, a, you know, once when it is done, what is done kind of. Uh, I think one of the things that I ask, also ask people to think about when they do the sizing is, uh, uh, think about as if you're going from the distance between the two places, like your work and home. And that, you know, the time doesn't may, uh, tell you how how, long, how far do you live. It all depends upon whether you take the expressway, you take the bus, or how, how what is the traffic, what kind of car you have, how big a lead foot you have. You know, those kind of things can change <laughs> to get there. And the other person, maybe they are staying, uh, living about twice as uh, away, but they get, sooner because they are always on the expressway and get there sooner so you know the distance if you look at that, uh, is is the size of the story and time doesn't is not it, it is one factor but not at uh, all kind of thing so you, once they start looking at it that way it's like what are the other factors to take a look at that size uh, it does make a difference and, and it makes it a lot more simpler then you can always say Oh, oh, I live about one and a half times away from you uh, than your house or half the one, or three times as far. And we, we can always say, well, who lives the closest? And then compare that against them. You know, the same principle.
0: So what you're alluding to also, though, is the fact that the the number of points that would work for one team could be completely different for another team to do exactly the same work.
1: Exactly.
0: Not only because they might have different skill sets, but also because one, you know, in principle, one team could use a scale of one to a thousand, not that we would recommend it. Right, yeah. And another team could say one to 10 and it's perfectly valid as long as it's a reliable measure of what the team can get done and that, over Absolutely. Time, it becomes more accurate.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that we had talked about is that you know story points are so subjective to each team because it's the collective way of doing things. It's not just one person. And it, it actually helps the teams not to look at each other's story point numbers because it's actually what they deliver, what they promise is more important than... How much? Uh, how many story points? Because you can. Uh, I think one of the <laughs> speakers has said, "How many story points you want to come? Uh, want in every sprint? We will deliver that." Story point inflation can be very easily done <laughs> or manipulated.
0: Right, absolutely. So,
1: so I think that's the one thing that I I, I do ask uh, you know people to from the sizing is the true sizing uh, is helped uh, actually most significant is the trend as from one sprint to the next to the next what number of story points are you able to deliver and that trend is more important than absolute value
0: so we've been talking very much at the team level but of course even when we're thinking at the portfolio level and you're thinking about investment in different initiatives and so on you need to have some idea of the. Uh, the amount of work that will be required. so yeah,
1: and I think we have seen that also is like for example, I think we had covered in one of our episodes about cost of delay and coming up with a, a weighted shortage of first kind of thing that that's where exactly the same principle gets applied, saying you know this relative sizing of even at the portfolio items, they could be. Uh, you know, mega features at the 5,000 level foot or epics, those can be done in this very similar way. And it basically, that method, relative sizing can scale up all the way to portfolio. And it then becomes a lot more transparent to each other saying, okay, it makes sense to me. And now you can able to you yeah. know uh, measure what the portfolio sizing is, where the whole accumulated uh, costs are going to be, benefits are going to be, and value is getting delivered. So uh, yeah, it does scale up also uh, all the way to the portfolio level.
0: Yeah, and also in the in SAFE, the Scaled Agile Framework, we do pointing even to plan out a three-month uh, program increment. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's really interesting, one of the techniques to size a lot of stories very quickly, is imagine you have a huge wall <laughs> uh-huh. and you have 20 30 people and they there are uh, stories on sticky you know post its and basically you get everybody silently to move those around in order of complexity right so you have the, the smallest things on the left on the highest on the right and of course not everybody's going to agree so people start moving things around but usually things just settle down and then there's a common agreement on what's simple versus what's difficult in some kind yeah. of scale and then you can kind of draw a line and say everything to the left of here is you know one point or three points everything to the in the next section is a five and just draw some vertical lines and now everything is already sorted and pointed and you can literally right. do a couple of 100 stories are sized in an hour by 20 or 30 people. I mean, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. And and the other thing is uh, that also tells them which uh, areas are still too big. So we need to start breaking them down. So, you know, it it helps them normalize sizing in a much more quicker way. And then they can organize the whole portfolio or even the PI planning objectives in, in that. So, Yeah, we have always seen the start of a PI planning or even release planning. First thing we actually have to draw a line, what are we trying to even accomplish? And what is really our capacity to accomplish? So once all these teams come to an agreement saying that, you know, we should be conservative and just let's do only first top one third or one fifth, and then uh, line up everything else it it gives a bigger transparency how teams are thinking, how the sizing are, what are the factors behind way of thinking, and it makes a huge difference as to visualize uh, how how related to each other uh, those things fall
0: together. yeah I think really the one of the big um, aspects of doing that exercise of sizing because you know there are people who say it's a waste of time it's just waste you should just get on with the work but it really helps everybody reach a common understanding of what the story is about and the kind of work that needs to be done so if um, if there's a disagreement between the number of points to assign to a story it means there really needs to be a dialogue to either Clarify the requirements, or right. for the engineering team to realize that oh yes, it is similar to something we did before that we can leverage, or no, it's something completely new. So you, yeah,
1: and I think that as you mentioned, the the dialogue is not just between the teams or between the engineers; it's actually between the product owners and the teams because they, when the product owner wrote the story, they had made some assumptions. And when the, the story sizing comes through, they realize, oh, there are so many ambiguities or uh, unknowns left here. I better either explain to them what those things are, or maybe they're right. I was looking at the very broad uh, requirement, so maybe I have to uh, slice that off. So it it does help them visualize as to you know how what will it what will it take to get this anything done, and what what. The technically we used to call it as they know now how the sausage is made.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the, the actual um, ceremony in which the sizing is done is normally the backlog refinement. And um, it's interesting. There are, you know, techniques that people use like uh, the poker cards with uh, the Fibonacci numbers on them where the the product owner explains the um what the story is about and then the facilitator who is typically the scrum master asks all the engineers and the you know the qa people to to vote and reveal a card with a number of points the idea is that if you ask people who have the lowest number of points and people with the highest numbers to kind of duke it out and figure yeah. out why yeah. why there's a difference and that's are, the way we really uh, get everybody to get that shared understanding. Right, right.
1: And and what I've seen is in that particular exercise, that, um, that uh, method of doing it, a lot of people have who are in the middle, all of a sudden, oh, I didn't think about it. So it's right. it actually brings out the things that people had not considered when they were doing that sizing. And then you can see... The collaboration happening right there, saying, "Oh okay, I would like to change my number, upward or downward, whatever that is, based on the two ends as to why it is so simple and why it is so, so complex. And that dialogue is so useful, and it, you know once that is done, then there, are, there is hardly any ambiguity left. And you know well, I've, I've seen in the beginning of the planning or even the iteration of the sprint planning, uh, the fist of five is all over the place. And by the time uh, sprint planning is, or the planning session is complete, fist of five is almost three or well, almost four or five. Is that cohesiveness. People feel confident about what they want to deliver and what, what they, the sizing that they have committed or at least uh, agreed to. Um, so gives them a confidence about
0: that yeah so just in case uh, listeners are not familiar with the idea of the fist of five the idea is uh, that you have a show of hands regarding are you in agreement with the amount of work that can be done during the sprint and if you are completely committed and believe it's doable you show five fingers
1: what we always ask them
0: is if it's three is almost like a no
1: Four or five across the team is a go. Otherwise, we yes. need to, if anybody has three, we need to resolve the, the why that is three and what is the, uh, I guess, hesitation in their mind to go. What will
0: it take to go to a four,
1: four or five?
0: Yep the art of being a good facilitator in these events is to not let people get completely hung up on the number of points. So for example, I would always say if someone, you know, there was a difference between a, a three and a five, I would just say, let's let's take the five but not spend a lot of time arguing between the three and the five right, because right. I, it's, it just needs to be good enough. It doesn't have to be right. Size. It's an
1: estimation not accuracy. Yes. Yeah. And right. the other thing is uh, I always ask them so if you're in any doubt uh, go conservative uh, because if, if suppose you thought it was more and then it uh, got done sooner uh, you can always pull another story. That is right. stopping you. But if it, you go the other direction and it explodes now, I mean, that has, that will also happen, but uh, it's better to be conservative than uh,
0: too optimistic. Which is also why in the backlog, you should always have things with points that are prioritized, uh, but about at least one and a half sprints worth of work exactly. should already be pointed. So yeah, you, yeah. you know what you can pull in.
1: Exactly. We have proven that size does matter, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A lot of people were asking these questions.
0: Yeah, and it's something that uh, people have to deal with on a weekly or bi weekly basis. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as usual, uh, there'll be a a link to a feedback form in the podcast notes. Um, We would love to hear your feedback if you'd like us to drill down into any of these topics in more more detail or for that matter any other topics you would like us to talk about
1: yeah and also i want to uh, let our listeners know we just crossed our uh thousands uh downloads of our podcasts so yay
0: that's yeah very exciting
1: uh, yeah i'm quite excited about the support the listeners have shown and uh, onwards and upwards
0: very good all right thank you thanks everyone Okay, bye-bye. Bye.